1: This weekend's Words and Nerds episodes are brought to you by Readings Books and Music, an independent bookseller with seven stores across Melbourne. You can go to readings.com.au to buy books online, check out our upcoming events, and for the lowdown on the winner of the 2021 Readings YA Prize, Future Girl by Asphyxia. We hope to see you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V. Today, I welcome Clayton Zane Comba, author of 100 Remarkable Feats of Xander Mays. In 2017, Clayton opened Buchenist Bookstore Cafe Wine Bar, where he is the licensee, book curator, occasional DJ, and head dishwasher. Very impressive. And your (laughs) debut novel, Shooting Stars, was published by Odyssey Books in 20. 11. Welcome, Clayton. How are you?
0: I'm well thanks Danny and thanks so much for having me as well it's a pleasure to be on your podcast it's one of the ones I actually get to listen to so it's great
1: (laughs) it's actually cool because you were a listener and now you're an author on the podcast that's
0: right exactly that's really cool and
1: I like I liked that when you know we spoke about you being on the podcast I liked that because um you know I thought that was pretty cool pretty cool transition and you know great too so we're going to talk about your book can you you start with an amongst other things may I warn you
0: <laughs> <a whole> good.
1: <laughs> Can you give us an elevator pitch of um, your book, A Hundred Remarkable Feats of Xander Mays?
0: Yeah, sure. So Xander is uh, about a 15-year-old boy who is a list maker. And when his grandmother, who is his, the number one person that he loves the most, uh, tells him that writing a list of a hundred remarkable feats and trying to achieve them will cure her cancer, he believes her because she's also the number one person that uh, he trusts. And so then he goes out and he attempts this list, and it gets sort of uh, a lot of attention brought to the list because it gets shared online. And some of that attention is unwanted. And then some of it is actually he didn't know he needed, such as friendship that sort of comes in the way of unlikely endeavors.
1: It's such a clever idea and it really got me in the feels and I think it would have got most people in the feels because it makes you think about your grandparents. I mean, all my grandparents have passed away now, but it makes you think about, you know, them and what the thing with grandparents with me is you only ever know them when they've done all these things. You only know them when they're, you know, in their Mm -hmm. sixties or seventies or whatever, and you never really get a proper glimpse of who they were when they were younger. And that just makes me so nostalgic, you know, to ask them about more things.
0: That's so true.
1: Yeah. So tell me about why you wanted to write this story.
0: So, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, I I was only sort of fortunate enough to know kind of one of my grandparents. I don't really remember um, my other three grandparents. They died when I was very young. Um, and so then there was my, my grandmother, um, who was my father's mother, and she sort of moved in with us when our grandfather died and she lived with us from when we were little kids, my brother and I. And so she kind of raised us, you know, as, as you know, the third parent sort of thing. My, both my parents were migrants who worked full time. Um, and so she kind of was the one who just kind of looked after us. So, you know, she lived with us, she cooked our breakfast, she took us to school, she picked us up from school. Um, you know, she cooked our dinner, like she did, she did everything. She's just incredibly incredible. incredible. Just this is one woman who just did everything. Um, And so when she turned 90, my partner Hannah and I decided to take her to Europe for the first time. She always wanted to go to Europe and we'd never been. So we just thought, you know what, we're just going to have an adventure. And so we actually didn't book like all of it or anything like that. And we (laughs) went and it was just this incredible uh, six week adventure where we went all through Europe. um, And and we had a lot of our firsts together when we were over there uh, because obviously we were seeing it for the first time. And... So that was kind of like the basis of the story that I wanted to write was kind of a story between a grandparent and grandchild, and that special love that kind of exists between them, um, and also a, a lot of, a book that was a lot about first. So even though I wasn't a teenager at the time, just I thought it was a very pertinent uh, thing to write as a teenager who's experiencing a lot of firsts. Um, so that was kind of the first thing I wanted to write about, um, and then the next thing that I sort of I knew the character was kind of someone who was sort of on the on the edge of the of the social scene. It was kind of a little bit ignored and also just a little bit sheltered because obviously being raised by his his grandparent uh, or as the predominant person, he sort of he doesn't have things like streaming or anything like that. So you know Xander doesn't have Netflix or anything like that. You've got Star Wars DVDs and you know Xander doesn't have Spotify. He's got Elvis and Linda Ronstadt CDs that do his grandmother's. So he's kind of sheltered in a way. And um, and then I came across this, this list in the paper. And it was one of those, you know, you get them every weekend. It's like, you know, top 10 things to do in Sydney or, you know, top 15 restaurants in Kangaroo Valley or something like that. And I, um, I found this top 100 or t- remarkable things in the city or something like that. And some of it was very, very simple. It was just like, you know, watch the sunset over Bondi or, um, or you know, or go and see the harbour, the harbour bridge. And I just thought there's a lot of things that we just kind of overlook all the time. And it was just something I kind of wanted to focus on for these books, the things we overlook.
1: Mm, I love that. I love that so much. I love so many things about that. And just when you were talking, I'm, I'm thinking about 25 questions that I want to ask you, which is what you said.
0: Well, we've got till midnight, don't we? Yeah, so. we do. We do. I
1: said, you know, half an hour to five hours. Every yeah,
0: day course, okay. but,
1: whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever floats, you know. I like it. <laughs> so let's go back to the trip to Europe. You took your 90-year-old grandmother. I love this story so much. I hope when I'm 90, someone's taking me overseas. Yeah. So tell me, where did you go? how was it how did you all keep pace with each other tell me something amazing about this trip it's extraordinary
0: oh my gosh there was there's so i mean you could write a book about this in itself and i sort of blogged it back then as well um so we, we started out in london um and you know she always wanted to see buckingham palace and everything and it was this really funny moment because we spent you know a long time traveling was 30 hours or something in transit and you know my nana's memory now is not great uh and so when we got there she kind of, we said, all right, we're going to go to see Buckingham Palace now. So we were all excited. And she sort of looked at me and said, not the real Buckingham Palace, you know. And we said, oh God, we hope it's not the fake one after we've just traveled 30 hours to get <laughs> Um so we, yeah, so we went to London. Um, after London, we caught the Eurostar over to Paris. We took her to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Wow. And we had champagne on the top of the Eiffel Tower. Um, from there, Amazing. we went to the south of France. Uh, we did about, I think it was about a 10-day uh, trip through Italy like through Venice and um, there were just moments that would sort of catch her out where she would sort of you know see the Leaning Tower of Pisa and sort of like remember where she was and everywhere you went there were always people that just sort of fussed over her like even when we were staying at a hotel and the chef the Italian chef sort of fell in love with her and was coming out and kissing her like you oh. know like she was there like just so many incredible moments that uh that happened when we were yeah, in your, it, was, yeah. it was it was incredibly tough at times too. When you say like trying to keep up with each other, yeah. Um, you know, there was one night when she got quite sick, and uh, my partner Hannah and I were running around Milan trying to find a um an all night doctor that you know would come mm-hmm. and see someone with no health insurance or anything like that as well. So there were uh, a lot of moments that were um sort of life changing moments along that trip
1: wow it does sound extraordinary and what an experience and memory you've got forever you know that's amazing it was
0: yeah it really was it was a, a trip of a lifetime you know mm,
1: absolutely i often find the relationship between a grandparent and a grandchild just a really special relationship it's different between the parent and child you know sometimes the parent has to do all the boring things you know like brush your teeth
0: absolutely eat your
1: vegetables kind of thing grandparents are scot free on that they get to do <laughs> all the, the fun things so i find that you know the relationship between grandparent and grandchild can be a really special one usually it's you know not long enough sometimes but mm-hmm. it's very special do you obviously you find that as well
0: absolutely I think a lot of the time also that um people kind of think that within that generational gap there's a disconnect between um the generations and whereas I think that people find that the connection is a lot stronger than they actually think um I think that's like a very powerful and that's what you're saying that that, that love that exists between a grandparent and uh, a grandchild is different yeah. Um, and I think that that's the thing I think you know while some people think it's separating it's actually quite uh, you know uniting
1: mm, absolutely I see my kids you know with their grandparents and it's an extraordinary relationship and you kind of just stand back and go wow this is you know this is really really special so I love that yeah, and yeah. if anyone has had been able to have time with their grandparents you know it's a really special thing so it, I think that's and said, it
0: can be fleeting and that's the mm. um, yeah, that's the that's kind of you know viral beauty of it like that's the thing mm. yeah
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I loved the list of 100 feets, and it made me think about, you know, what I would have on my 100. I think I'm going to do the 100. It's stressing me out a bit, though, because it feels like, you know, you have to do these things. (laughs) But um, when you were writing it, were you thinking, what does Clay, what does Clay need on his 100 feets? Did you have a a list in your head going on?
0: Sort of. I sort of did. I kind of did what Xander does. In the novel, which is you know it obviously it's to research, just to Google, um, <clears throat> the you know all these teenage sort of bucket lists and, and remarkable lists. Like I went through a lot of them, and I also was uh, I was just asking people um, just sort of constantly, you know, if you had a list of ten things, asking teenagers, you know, what they kind of wanted to achieve by the end of a school year, um, and then obviously some of it, you know, became from from my own life, and um, and the list did evolve over time. It never stayed exactly the same um and so it did change as we went along and also for narrative reasons you know to get the the right plot points and the right moments but yep. yeah that's kind of how the list came about it was it was a bit of a tricky one
1: mm, I love that when you were doing your research and asking teenagers or young people you know what was on their list were there surprises
0: uh, there, there wasn't no uh I I, I didn't that's nothing, a surprise yeah, in it. Like it. Not, I mean they're probably just not telling me you know that's the thing like uh, <laughs> Uh, Yeah, no, there was nothing that really jumped out anywhere, you know, that, you know, some, some of the funny ones, you know, I mean, not funny ones, but, you know, where people saying things like, oh, like I want to, you know, like if someone would say, you know, I, I want to drink a beer or something. That was they made it in. But someone said something. I think once to something like, "I'll oh, get arrested for a night." Or something. Oh. Like, okay, that's uh, you know, that's a bit of a serious one. But going I'm on. out. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Let's just let's just put the brakes on there. Did you, know, like, you know, to, to only also? It was only to go for one night. You know, so it was it was a very clear clarification. Not too
1: serious. No,
0: no, that's right. And and I think in a way that kind of you know maybe I think it, one of his feats was to to break a very small. Law, you know, that was a, a a small law. That's a you know, a, 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 that's yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. That but actually managed to stay in the in the novel.
1: I don't think I'd want a night overnight in a little prison. No, me neither. I know I
0: wouldn't either. Cold
1: and scary, and I'd be hungry.
0: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> that's right. I'd, I'd be terrified. You know.
1: It's definitely not going to be on my list. No, maybe,
0: maybe, maybe on the
1: list should be not get arrested.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Just cross that one off now. <laughs>
1: That's so funny, and I love that because it is kind of a bucket list. But it's it's a, a you know it's obviously for a young person, so it's it's different. And I think it's cool because it really made his character evolve and feel you know think of all the things that he wanted to achieve. And I guess it makes you brave having a list when you write it down, and then when it's shared online, I guess it gives you some accountability that you have to do some of that list.
0: Yeah, that's right. That was and that was the driving force because I, I always thought that if Xander just had the list and he just had to go out and do it. He's the kind of character who would probably, you know, I mean, even with his love for his, his nana, that he would put it off, um, and so it had to be that that list had had gotten out of hand for him, um, and that's why, you know, early on it gets shared online. So we've got this kind of, you know, dramatic irony in the sense where you know, like like everyone knows what is going on, and um, and the reader knows what's going on, and Xander's obviously trying to catch up. The entire
1: time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. What was the character development for, for Xander? How did you go about developing his character? Because he was a very unique and interesting character.
0: Yes, I mean, Xander, for me, he just always began as, as somebody, uh, um, you know, who was on, on the outside of the social scene. I knew he was someone who he didn't have any friends. He, he didn't have the, the kinds of uh, relationships that people, well, I mean, m- most kind of kids grow up with. Um, you know, he he'd grown up very differently, and he struggled a lot. He struggled, you know, in a sense with um, with anxiety, and he struggles um, just just socially. And his his list making is what helps him kind of make sense of of the world and everything. And he's in a way th- there there are parallels to to. I mean, I, I I I'm not quite like Xander, but I'm someone who who makes lists. I make lists all the time, <laughs> uh, and and that was and, and and usually very trivial lists. I never make lists about things that are important. I never <laughs> think like it's always really kind of meaningless stuff. And and that was part of it when it was my partner Hannah who kind of said to me, "Why why do you feel this need to list things? You know, like why do you have to have?" the top five Dolly Parton songs, you know? And why do to, you have to
1: have that? Yeah, top
0: and top I was top like, top because you have to, because that, you know, that then it prioritizes your time as to how much you love something. I
1: like
0: uh, it. Yeah. So what, exactly. what are the
1: top five Dolly Parton songs?
0: Oh well I mean I will always love you has got to be up yeah. there number yeah. one. All right. right.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. it's just got to be number one. Mm-hmm. Um i am kind of shut myself in, in the in the foot with the rest <laughs> of <too>. it <laughs> I, right. like,
1: all we need is number one. That's yeah,
0: but, because I think, you know, we need to think about it. Like we can't just jump in and just agreed. answer Agreed, agreed. What other lists so have you serious, got going? This is, this
1: is very interesting, Clay. What other lists have you got going?
0: Oh, I've got lists going all the time. Like oh, all right. the time. Even, even when we were doing this at the book launches, um, we we actually just went through like favourite this, favourite that, just constantly like just off the top of your head to try and list things. Yeah. It's
1: fabulous. I can you do it?
0: Want, so if I said to you like favourite book, can you?
1: Uh, favourite book? Oh, favourite book. Um, One of my favourite books, uh, Picture of and Grey, Oscar Wilde. Oh,
0: wonderful. Wonderful book. Favourite yeah. movie?
1: Favourite movie. Oh, one of them would be Fight Club.
0: Oh, excellent. Favourite song?
1: Oh, this is really hard. This is really stressing me out. Favourite song? Sway Bik Um,
0: Top five Dolly Parton songs?
1: Um, I will always love you and then I will have to stop <laughs>
0: that. <laughs> oh, that was
1: very stressful. I felt like I was on a game show.
0: Yeah, well, I, I just turned it around on you anyway there, so that, that was it. Uh, <laughs>
1: great I love yeah so Xander's
0: character just kind of evolved that way that you know he was someone who made lists, I'm someone also who loves um etymologies and similes and metaphors as Xander you know um lists those things as well so there are those sorts of things and then he just sort of grew as he needed to that you know he was sort of slowly making his way into these different circles of friends as kind of it it kind of happens in well it happened to me in high school and that's kind of what happens you know that you get some people in Xander's case who were sort of bullying him at the start, but then you get these other characters who are just very genuine and, um, in a sense, like the older ones, uh, are like they sort of take Xander under, under their wing. And then, of course, you've got Lily, who's, who is <clears throat> the first character that I saw in the novel other than Xander. And it was somebody who was also struggling with her own demons but was someone who just sat down one day at a table and pulled out the list with scribblings all over it and said, this is how we're going to do it. And he looks and says, who are you? You know, that was, <laughs> That was always the, the starting.
1: And sometimes you need that person to give you that driving push. You know, sometimes you don't know. How, where do you start with a list of 100 things? Like, where do you start? Do you that's just right, start yeah.
0: Did you yeah, Danny, he, just, he just needed a little help to get started. That was, <laughs> that's right, that's, that's right. right.
1: And you've had some amazing book launches and book events. Um, Kiyama, there was one in Sydney. You had Marcus Suzak there. Tell me, tell me about this and how do you know
0: Marcus. Okay, yeah, we did. We had some amazing um, book launches. The climate community is so incredibly supportive. I mean, obviously, I've grown up in this town. Uh, my family's had a lot to, to do in the town in, in sense of the community. And obviously, we run our bookstore and cafe in the town as well. Um, so it was really wonderful to have this beautiful book launch. Like, what when we could, that was the other thing. So, is mean, yeah. If it happened now, we wouldn't be able to do it. Um, and you know we got to have these incredible nights, both Climber and Sydney, and yeah, and Marcus um, came down for both of them and, and uh, sort of facilitated both of those book launches. Um, so Marcus and I are friends from a long time ago, uh, probably it'd probably be going back about thirteen years now. It was a- around the time just after when the Book Thief came out, which is. Um, very, very high, I'd say, I, I, I'd go so far to say, you know, it, it's my number one of contemporary books. Really. Mm.
1: Oh, it's an incredible uh, book. Oh, it absolutely. Is. Absolutely.
0: So nice I met question. Mark just as a fan um, at a writer's festival and I, I sort of told him about my writing and he, he was coming to town and then we, we just sort of became friends um, and he's just this incredible person who, I mean, people most people just know him from his writing, but he's this incredible person. And he just sort of always uh, kept encouraging me to write. So he would always just check in. He'd always send me emails and things like that, like just to make sure that I was writing, that I was finishing um, along the way. Um, And so that's why also like he's mentioned in the book and in the book, the book Thieves in it as well. And it all sort of ties in. It's just kind of like my kind of thank you note as well, and then he was just so incredibly generous to come and do the two launches with me as well. Mm, I love And it was song. him that did that. Um, that did that um, quiz uh, that we just did <laughs> before that. It was him. We just started asking questions like while we were up on stage. <laughs> Uh, in front of like 300 people like all right here we go yeah
1: (laughs) that's wonderful I love that and I love how a friendships can be created through the writing because we all know writing and you put yourself on the page and you you talk about things that often you know some things are very personal and you know it really helps when you have someone who is a writer to help and encourage you and believe in yourself because it's one of those things that you do where sometimes you think I can never do this I can never be good enough I can never you know do this to any sort of level and it's nice to have those people around you encouraging and saying yeah you can keep going
0: look absolutely I mean for me uh, and this is also goes back to the the um, evolving character of Xander so um because Xander took me a long time to write it, it took me five years to get it right it was sort of this house of cards that I would stack up and then you know when you change something because it's like a puzzle it sort of just sort all of cascades down um and uh, along that period, I lost my father, um, who was, like, my best friend. Um, and so the book is dedicated to him. Um, and a lot of the, the memories sort of that are in the book are sort of our memories, um, including the listening to Linda Ronstadt, which is why it's so important that Linda Ronstadt was, was in the novel. And it was when I was sort of in my darkest periods of, of sort of grief that Marcus sort of popped up again and um, he sort of said, come on, like, he he, took, he actually took the book. Um, and he sort of like, you know, read over it and sort of said, you know, this is, like, this is what I think. This is, you know, this is, you know, like what I think you need to to, to do now. Um, and at the time, I wasn't sleeping. Um, and so when I when I when I got his his, his kind of notes uh, as well and, and his encouragement, I sort of just got out of bed and so that final edit was done sort of between those hours, those stupid hours, like three o'clock and five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And that was the final edit of the novel, um, and so that's why he's just a special person as well. I remember when I finished it, him just ringing me up and just playing Linda Ronstadt into the phone. <laughs> oh, At a- one stage, uh, I claim he was singing. He claimed he wasn't singing. He
1: <laughs> let's claimed, claim he was. Let's
0: claim he was singing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and that was really the moment when I knew. And I thought I've given everything I can to this to this book now. Like if that house of cards isn't built now, it's not it's not going to build. Mm. Like it's gonna it's not going to work and and thankfully thankfully, it did work.
1: You know what, there's something to be said though for a couple of things for writing through that grief and also those hours of the day which I've read a number of times at that three o'clock period of time in the morning is that really interesting time for creatives and I almost think and I, I, I did when I read this book that there's a difference between writing a book, you know, technically or whatever, and there's a difference when you can read a book when your heart and soul's on the page. And I kind of felt that when I read your book. And so it was really nice when you said that about the grief that you wrote through and writing at those really creative but strange times from three to five when you're alone and you with your thoughts and you know it's a, it's a scary time I'm a bit of an insomniac so I know I know about these Yeah, yeah. yeah, these the yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's interesting that you say that because I think from the very first page and I, I you know I was going to ask you about your dedication that you just really felt wow there's there's heart and soul on these pages
0: yeah thanks Danny that uh, that really means the world and um, when people talk about uh, the novel when I get you know, comments about the knowledge and and if they ever mention the heart in the in the book or anything like that, like, that's, like, it really is a book that means the world to me. Um, mm.
1: and, and you so- can tell, you can tell just from reading it, you know, and I don't know because I had grandparents I was very close to, um, you know, they've both passed away now and there's so many things that I wished I'd asked them. Yeah, you know, and that's hard. It's hard to then read another story about another grandparent because you think, "Oh, I can't." I can't that that's, that boat has sailed. You know. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I thought the same way. You know, it's um, it's a book, and, it, and it's also, uh, I mean, the whole thing about just not accepting the unacceptable, and you know, and I, I think that's it's, it's a very. It, it's a very universal thing, I think, you know, especially when people are given time, you know, that's the thing when people are given time and you, you're, you have to accept it, because, you know, that's at a point where they say, there is nothing more that you can do. Um, and this is in Xander's case, you know, when they tell Xander that, and he thinks, no, I can't accept that, you know, that's why, you know, people are asking you to know, dig down, perhaps Xander does know, and is in self-denial that his list cannot cure cancer. You know, um, and we know as the audience that that's not the point. But does Xander know it? That's the question. And perhaps he does, but he just just won't accept that. Just like, you know, I, you know, and everyone else, you know, believes that, you know, we try and grasp onto any sort of hope that we can um, in those moments.
1: Absolutely. I was going to say that human beings, I think they're built with hope, even if... You know, it is unlikely. We still have hope, and that's, I guess, how you wake up every day. <laughs>
0: that's exactly right. That's why how we exist, isn't it? That's right. Because mm. if we don't, you know what, you know what kind of we're here for. Yeah.
1: Mm. Now I know your character had a pretty severe panic attack. I'm familiar with these myself. <laughs> now I'm wondering, a really difficult period of time that you were going through. Was this part of your experience? Did you have to research panic attacks because they're a hard thing to explain and write? I think, and you know, reading it. I could relate <laughs> I talk about my anxiety a lot on the podcast and it actually you know frees me a bit from it sometimes yeah
0: absolutely um, um
1: but I think is that from a real coming from a real place with you
0: yeah look um I, I I obviously like I did do some research uh and so forth into other people's experiences um particularly you know dealing with dealing with grief, that was, for me, that was it. It was, it was, I, I was trying to, to deal with grief and not dealing very well. Yeah. And, you know, and I was, Um. you know, looking, well, looking for help, you know, and, and I was looking for help and writing for me was one of the things that helped. And so um, while I didn't sort of, I mean, I don't necessarily think I've ever had a panic attack. Um, yeah. I think the you know, the, the signs were the same, you know, yeah. I, and um, and the, the the sort of places that I were in, we're, we're the same. Um, or, I mean, I I'd speak universally, but that's not the truth for every person's individual, but um, in, just in terms of, you know, that, um, that dark position. And that's kind of just how I thought I was trying to translate that into a page that the reader would understand as well. Mm.
1: I find as a culture, though, we, we're not very good with grief and we're not very good when we lose people and we don't know how to deal with it because because we're optimistic. We never speak about it until it happens and then we don't know how to deal with it.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, we were always just dealing with it. So some, something that somebody sort of said to me is just, you just have to learn to live with it, in, in, in to think of it running parallel to you. And you just kind of try not to let it take over you. Mm. And I just thought that was such a pertinent thing to say. And, um, and um, yeah, and so I, I think that that kind of just helped me to, to make sense of it a little bit yeah. more. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be part yes. of our life. Um, but just what we do with it is, Is the question?
1: That's absolutely. That's exactly what I do with my anxiety. It sits beside me every day. I've forgotten. I've you know given up on a cure because that's not going to happen. But it's beside you. But it's it's how I guess bright you let it shine. You know, (laughs) and sometimes it shines pretty brightly. Can I tell you? (laughs) you You've got to then you know have these strategies kind of dim that light again. So it's an interesting thing that parallel thing because I see that as well.
0: Absolutely, that's right. Yeah. Um... Yeah, what a deep thing for us to sit here and just. Sit here and, you know, I can't you know, believe you're on, surprised. On you Tuesday, said on a Tuesday evening, you know. So, yeah. you,
1: you said you've listened to this podcast. You shouldn't be surprised that we have no, gone.
0: Say, let's go anywhere you want. So.
1: <laughs> you see, I say never sit next to me at a wedding because <laughs> I, I won't ask what you do. I'll be like, tell me your dark secrets.
0: Oh, I'll sit next to you, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll what we'll swap meals so.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. We'll yeah. share, the, the share the good dessert.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's right.
1: Now, I want to hit that writing process. Are you one of those people who just pants it and throws it on the page and edits later, or are you really purposeful about what you put on the page from the start?
0: So, yeah, look, I'm, I'm someone who, who thinks about writing a lot more than I write. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, I'm, I'm someone who, like, I, I'll i come up with an idea and I'll live with that idea and let that idea sort of grow. Um, and I'm, I kind of believe, you know, that if, if the idea is strong enough, you'll never forget. You'll never forget all the bits and pieces. And this is someone with a memory of a fish as well. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you'll you never forget the important things that you want to include in a story. And then there might come a moment when you just know that it's it's kind of there. Like, you know, that idea might be 70% of the way there. Um, you know, so, for example, in Xander, you know, it was... A, a, a boy who's doing something for his his grandmother, um, he he struggles socially, he writes lists, um, you know, he's got his friend who um, sort of just forces her way into his life. Um, and for me, in the sense of Xander, it was Andy that was the final piece that sort of unlocked it, who's the older girl in the story. Um, and then I started putting words on page. And that's kind of my process uh, when I write, and then I'll find the rest of it um you know when I'm writing but say for example with Xander I wrote the first draft in two weeks wow. and and I thought it was right that's the word or <laughs> well, at least kind of close to being right and five years later I realized that you know uh, I was wrong but um so that's kind of my process I can write in verse and get a story like kind of out um and I can edit and like you know, and then if you sit me down and say, you know, you've got to edit, I'll edit that, you know, that story between three and five in the morning when someone said, This is what I think you know you should look at. Or if I think, oh, that's what I've got to look at, I can do that and I'll write and I'll make sure it's done. Um and so and, and it will be finished, you know, that's the thing. But so my writing process is probably a bit different. So I don't I'm not someone who sits down and goes, I'm gonna hit this many words a day, I'm gonna write for this amount of time per day, you know, I'll um I'll sit there and I'll see on a story and I'll say, all right, like I think it's kind of seventy percent there. Let's find the rest of it. Mm, um, love and, that, yeah.
1: And insomniacs unite. So you know, if I'm ever doing my usual three to five thing, on her, you'll be doing it as well. Just
0: bring it up, yeah. Just ring me up <laughs> anytime. Want anything at three o'clock in the morning or anything? I just give you a yeah, call. Cool. We'll yeah. swap
1: some stories. Absolutely, um, edit yeah. each other's way. it could be great. <laughs>
0: yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I
1: love finding other insomniacs. Yeah, well, there
0: you go. Yeah, You're very
1: alone go. at a.m. in the
0: morning. Yeah, no, 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 problem, Danny. Let's go. You know, <laughs> so, we'll have a few more out there. We'll start messaging <laughs> as well in those hours. We could. We could. Like,
1: we could have like a live Twilight podcast. So-
0: yeah, it sounds good
1: amazing to have like a twilight insomniacs podcast and we just
0: we, and we just quiz people on their favorite things you know so what i mean just yeah.
1: riff whatever comes at 3am just talk you know yeah. i'm not even joking clay you think i'm joking i'm not even
0: joking i'm, I'm here danny if i could be like a, like a you know like a co-host or something like that <laughs> I'm, I'm completely Absolutely.
1: In. i've never done an interview at 3am so this is gonna be great
0: i'm, I'm your guy i'll tell you that <laughs> let's see if we can get people who <laughs> yeah. are insomniacs though to get up and do it that'd be even that's fun. right it's it's like, like, wake up at three o'clock because that's the time we've scheduled this and we're just Clay, like to at it.
1: my okay. mind is exploding now <laughs> <laughs> now since you are a listener uh you know this question's coming why do you write Clay?
0: okay even knowing a question like is coming it doesn't i don't think that makes it any easier <laughs> it
1: makes it harder
0: <laughs> look i uh, i think as we sort of spoken about I'm someone who I wear my heart on my sleeve um and I think that I I write to kind of make sense um make sense of my thoughts and make sense of how I'm feeling um I've I've always done that you know even um you know even from when I was when I was young and then it was just somewhere along the line when I thought you know this is if I could do this as some kind of profession I, I would really love to do that and it's also there's something I mean, it's it's so, you know, generic to say or whatever, but there's something just so beautiful about a book, that's the thing, um, as a medium for telling stories. But I think a, a book, you know, a story exists between the book and someone's mind, and it's different for every person. So for me, what Xander and Lily and Andy, they look like in my head, it looks completely different in your head and completely different in someone else's. That, that movie that's playing out in your mind, and I'll never see that um, and we'll never know what it looks like to someone else. But yet we might both universally love something like The Book Thief. Um, and we've, you know, there's, there's there's 17 million versions of it out there, you know, in people's minds. Um, and I think that that's there's something very beautiful about that, and that's why I write.
1: That is a lovely answer. And, of course, you're a bookseller too, so you, you'd you love the books.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah, physical books forever.
1: Yeah, me too. I agree. Look, I've, I've got the Kindle and, look, probably wasn't the best you know investment i've ever spent because <laughs> <laughs> i do love the physical book i've got to say yeah. um i'm going to come and visit you when we're not in lockdown i'm oh, going to come me. to your bookshop it's not Don't that... come
0: at three o'clock we'll be closed oh, okay so, yeah, yeah. All right. but you can you come and find me though at three <laughs> I'll, I'll be around somewhere i'll
1: come at a reasonable normal time yeah.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I haven't been to that bookshop before and Kiama is not too far from where I live in Sydney. So I'm going to come and visit and uh, we'll have a hot chocolate and we'll have a, another deep chat, I think. Why not?
0: I look forward to it. I think that'd be wonderful.
1: <laughs> Let's hope we get out of lockdown soon. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much, Clay. That was just a remarkable book and an even more remarkable chat. So thank you for uh, being so candid and honest in this interview because, you know, I put you on the spot there a few times.
0: That's all right. I did it to you too. And, yeah, you did. Thanks <laughs> for having me. It, it is a pleasure. And I think what you do with this podcast is wonderful. Whenever somebody asks me about writing or, or anything like that, uh, I always tell them to listen to this. I said this would have been invaluable to me when I was really trying to, you know, to be, to be a writer as well. Well, that's
1: so kind. Thank you so much, Clay.
0: No worries. Thanks, Danny.